0: Welcome to the extra podcast. This is number 200. And, you don't, I don't know. actually know. I think We're, it's, five. it's 206. B. No, it's 206. It's number 206. This is. is a it's live, a live recorded episode from the Men's Retreat 2015, Norsey Men's Retreat. Joining me around the table, Pastor Kyle. Hello. Pastor Andy. It's good to be with you. Pastor Jeff. Hi. And our illustrious guest, Dr. Hi. Brian Hurlbutt. Hello. Hello. Welcome here. And this is because... You're not the only people in the room, Greg. No, I I was getting there. Because we're at the Men's tree, this is one of our optional sessions for guys to attend. So we have some guys here listening on the conversation.
1: Our producer just lost his ear plug because of the loudness of that response. That came through. Brian Schmueland
0: is our producer. He is now deaf in one ear. Yeah, this is this is number two hundred seven. Okay,
2: have a correction from the audience.
0: Okay, great, thank
2: you. Yeah, that was. Way to go, Andy.
1: Yeah, who?
0: <laughs> Sorry, guys. So we're uh, at the Men's Tree. There's been. We still have one more day to go. Tomorrow morning, we have another session. From uh, Doctor Hurlbutt is going to be presenting another sermon, and that'll be great. You seem to like saying that name. He laughed laugh when he
3: said your name. Why, what do you like about my name? I do like, you laugh at the doctor
0: or the Hurlbutt part? I like everything about your name. Um, do you tell you like tell him what you said. Tell him what you said, Greg.
4: About his, his name. What'd you say about my name, Greg?
0: I just. I. I so it's I was being recorded. I'd like to. I've I envisioned the history of your last name as someone coming into, the, coming into the country trying to pronounce their name and the people trying to figure out what they actually said. So so I think there was a few options. Um, puke Bottom might have been one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else have we you, have. Have you ever heard that one
1: before, Brian? Yeah, no, I doubt he'd ever heard that before. But. <laughs> actually,
3: I will say I have heard one. Of the the Vama Anus was the worst one. <laughs> Can we say that on podcast? I don't know. I'm just, you just telling did. you. It's the worst one <laughs> well, he's I've ever not heard. not from around
2: here. <laughs>
1: That's the worst one I've ever heard. All right, I, I never talked like that until. Hey I came Brian, I, the board. before we before we get into this, can yeah. I ask you? I'm in, actually kind of a serious question. Kay. What are life's five biggest questions? You know what? <laughs> um, <laughs> like if you had to say what the five biggest questions, the first that, that are to mind,
3: The first one that comes to mind is who is Andy Steiger?
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I think we, we he dwell is so on that. He's so hot right now. I think we
3: dwell on that. We think about that. I mean, what is Andy Steiger? <laughs>
4: Why is? Can I bring Andy it back Stein to Brian? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, actually, I don't know if people know this, but we see Brian every year at the Evangelical Theological Society, and I'll never forget the first time I met you. That I tried making a joke, and I told you told you to hurl your butt beside me yeah. when we were in session. Yeah, and he, he actually didn't laugh. He was, was that the time that you invite? You said you were going to invite me to come speak at
3: the Apologetics Canada Conference, and then I never got an invitation.
4: Yeah, that was the that was the time. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. That was that was actually this year. <laughs> I yeah. just wanted to, I just wanted to find out. I couldn't remember which time that was. Thank
0: you. So we got a great relationship. One of the things that
1: our most of our listeners
0: wouldn't know that some of the guys in the room know now, just from being at the Mensa treat, is there's actually uh, quite the connection between Kyle, Brian, and Jeff in terms of your history. So, who wants to talk about about what the connection is?
1: It's a long, sordid tale. Kyle should
0: probably share it. Oh, sure. Uh, I was a
2: young university student, and I was working at a basketball camp, and there was a coach there that said, hey, you got to meet this guy.
1: And he introduced me to a young Brian Hurlbut. Handsome. Well, I was. I don't think he said that, Brian. <laughs> so you guys went to. No, you did not go to the same university, no, no. though. We didn't go to the same university, right. but we met at that era. Both in played life. basketballs for your university. And now, looking at us
2: now, that would surprise most people, probably. Though. Watching Brian
1: today, I was surprised that he played basketball were once. You? Yeah,
3: I went for a run this morning with Kyle, and
2: Kyle pretty much died after. A run. <laughs> so it's true. I'm, uh, I'm. I'm working my way back. Are you no, initiating this? You're here. on your way. Uh, yeah. Good. To
3: quote Kyle this morning, he said, I've become the kind of person I used to make fun of.
1: (laughs) 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 That's actually what he said. He walked into the room. (laughs) Is that actually what you said?
2: Yeah, it was actually. Because when when you're like 17 and really athletic and in shape, Overweight middle-aged guys You just make fun of Didn't you say today Didn't
1: you say Kyle today I've become what I used to say. Some Some person So he actually did say that He did say that Listen, some person Came up to Some guy Came up to 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 Kyle At our church And he said After seeing his Kyle's wife He said That's not That's not your wife That's your daughter Is that true? This is It's true It's
2: what you said This is Part of the reason that I tried to run with Brian in the morning (laughs) was see new men's retreat, turn over a new leaf. Yeah, get and how old does your wife look? How does she look? Yeah. Um, Careful. That's a, that's, a, that's a dangerous question.
1: No, I'm, I'm just saying, Rebe- I know Rebecca, what? Let's say she's, she looks like she's in her 30s. That means you look like you're 55 years old. Yeah, I'm, 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 uh, <laughs> you're, like, you're like Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> Without the air. So, uh,
0: based anyway. on the, based on the banter, I'm sensing that Jeff enters into the equation at some point in yes. the history that is The Three Amigos. So, um, yeah, so Brian
2: and I knew each other uh, college age. Um, uh, I went to Dallas Seminary. Brian came a year after that. In my first year at
1: Dallas Seminary, I met Jeff. And we became close friends. Yeah, come on. Right? Yeah. And then Brian came and uh, Dallas Seminary. knew each other. But then we, we did a doctoral study years later. After going very much our different ways, we all came back together and did doctoral study at Talbot School of Theology. And that's where we spent two weeks every year In the same hotel room, making fun of each other and arguing till late in the evening about philosophical concepts and everything else. I was always found to be right at the end of the evening.
3: So Jeff and I knew each other at Dallas, but we became very good friends in doctoral studies.
1: And the way the dynamic works between the three of us is that Brian and I try our best to get a rise out of Kyle, and then we just pile on. Yeah. And um, it is it's, not very honestly, hard. it's not very hard it, And it is hours of fun <laughs> It really is, it's fun It's a wave worth riding <laughs> it, it takes you hours to actually get under my skin. No it doesn't
2: It doesn't like at all. It all It's a matter of seconds And the
1: joy is <laughs>
3: exhilarating
2: So Andy also went to Biola University yep.
4: And has True story I actually went sure. down with you guys on two occasions To uh, yeah, while well, you guys were working, you guys were working on your doctoral dissertations, and right. I was working on my book.
1: Right. Yeah. How many questions did you answer in that book? I actually answered five, Jeff. Five, five. Okay. five
4: of life's biggest questions. It's who's Einstein? Who <laughs> <Stein>. who <is laughs> Why Now, Brian, How?
1: Brian. Yeah. Last night we had we had uh-huh. a, something happen here, where uh, you were being put in an awkward position because there were. Guy won, a, like, a little bit of a, a questionnaire. Well, first we should say that, that Brian has a book. Well, no, he does. They both have books, Brian and uh, Andy. And who's this guy a, that, won oh a questionnaire. Means, no, this guy won the so questionnaire. So we have books. Yeah, but this, this questionnaire. Okay. Yeah, it's Dr. Buckner, by the way. Um, <laughs> I was just clarifying that you didn't have a book. No, right. I don't. I okay. don't. okay. I own lots of books. Does that count? <laughs> Brian, so, I own your book. Brian... And, and Andy's books were offered to the person who won the questionnaire. Is he here? And the and the person who won the questionnaire no. said, uh, "We said, well, we're gonna have one of the books you get to keep, and the other one, the loser, he has to go actually outside and burn his own book to start the fire. For to start the, campfire. the fire for the campfire. So what happened uh, last night in that regard, Andy? Um, I just want everyone to know that I won." Actually, so your book was chosen. Over Brian's?
4: Brian's. But You know what? I got it. Who published? What, your, are you really? I'm just asking. What, who published what is it? the subtitle of your book? Who Brian. published? Who published your book? Just okay. answer the question. Who published your book? Okay, I want to say Look, something. You ask cla- five to, big questions, but you can't <laughs> answer one simple <laughs> one. I want, to, I want to clarify something. Honestly, when I heard this from Greg that we were going to burn a book, my soul was pained because um. I, I was I was quite I was I was Would profoundly you? disturbed. By the idea of burning my book. Uh, were would you, you, have, were you disturbed about the thought of me burning my <laughs>
3: book?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Absolutely <laughs> not.
4: I was actually filled with joy. Yeah. With that But who published your book? Uh,
1: so. <laughs> apologetics Canada. So I won. <laughs> who published your book? Did, who, I, who, did I, who did who I tell that I won? Apologetics Canada. Did I just So kind of I yanniness. won? Oh.
4: And What I want to know is, what did it feel like, Brian, burning your book? I want a play-by-play. Okay? I want, a, I want an emotional play-by-play yeah, yeah, burning
3: your book. Well, it was kind of hard.
4: Um, I had a lot of anger towards
3: you inside. Um, and so I imagined that you were the face on the cover, and I lit it. And as I went there mentally, I was filled with such joy. Watching your face burn. I, I just watched you
1: burn. And I said, down, Steiger, down. <laughs> so it's good. Now, you were a good sport about it. Yeah. Lost appre- a lot of
3: respect for Greg over
1: that whole we thing. We appreciate <laughs> very much your willingness to burn your book. We have uh, some some photos of it that we will make sure to put on the uh, interweb somehow. That, could, that should be like the picture of
4: maybe this. <laughs> <laughs> this the podcast. men's retreat. The men's retreat. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least this it's podcast. Jesus burning you know. okay, Welcome right.
3: to Canada where we burn books. All right.
4: <laughs> so that... <laughs>
0: so that was a highlight for me um let people who are listening to this podcast the people in this room have heard a lot of the stuff that we're going to be saying now but the people who are listening to this podcast a lot of the stuff they will not have heard so let's just talk a little bit about some of the highlights of the things that have been talked about at the mentor retreat so far this is a little bit of a debriefing of the 2015 men's retreat thus far. So, what what have we been talking about? What are some some things sticking out in your guys' minds about things we've talked about so far?
1: Uh, Brian gave a great message this morning. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, it was a great message this morning uh, about John 21, John 21, and Peter's restoration, odd restoration on the shores of of like the Sea of Galilee, and how he had to come to the end. Uh, kind of rock bottom and come to recognize that apart from Christ he was always going to be who he who he how did you say Brian what was the exact line Uh, well John starts off and address
3: shows when Jesus called Peter that um, he called him Simon and then changed his name to Peter and so he then along the shore after his resurrection and an appearance Engages him and calls him Simon again, sort of for the first time again, in a sense. And, so kind John, of, and John's
1: unpacking Kind of resetting yeah. him back to what he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and your your line was that you'll always be who, who you are without Christ. Yeah,
3: you'll always just be you without Jesus. Yeah.
1: And what does that mean? <laughs> I thought that was really a helpful point. And I think that that's something that m- most of us lo- lose sight of. We, we want to gain accolade and uh, praise for, for who we are instead of praise and accolade for, for who Christ is. Uh, and we lose sight of it quite often. And, uh, yeah, I, I, was really, I was greatly helped by it. I it was a great message. Really good. I, one of the things that I always identify with Peter
4: in that he comes across as just an average guy. There's nothing special about Peter. In the fact, he often puts his foot in his mouth messes things up and uh, at the end of, here at the end of this chapter he's being restored and he you know jesus is explaining to him that you know jesus, peter this is still going to cost you yeah. in fact it's going to cost you your life and then and then what does he do he points his finger over at john and says well tell me he's going to die as bad as i'm going to die you know what's going to happen to john and jesus looks back at peter and he says peter just follow me right and, the, and then, when you read the book of Acts, and you see this Peter, that he doesn't always get it right, but he's he's ready to
1: follow. Yeah, it's it's a good uh, reminder to us all. The, the passage we're talking about, for those who are listening, can it might not be remembering exactly. It's when it's when the uh, Peter's in the boat. And uh, Jesus is on the shore, and he calls to Peter, and Peter jumps in. He puts his cloak on, jumps in, swims like crazy to the shore. They all stand around in what Brian called the most awkward breakfast maybe in history. And they're all standing there. They know it's Jesus. Jesus is not saying anything. They're not saying anything until Jesus breaks the silence by starting with Simon's, Simon. Simon. Do you love me do you love me do you love me giving him uh, reminiscing or not reminiscing reminding him of the three denials around the barrel where he was a little girl who he was afraid of so brian is jesus being a jerk there in talking with peter this way yeah i mean like he's no, yeah, is he rubbing his nose in it yeah
3: i think he i don't think he's being a jerk but i do think there is this sort of holy niggling that he's doing i think he's reminding him exactly that, that first point I think he's reminding him that you'll always and forever only be you without me and where, where, where did I, a friend of mine who's our director of counseling at our church has a great statement that he'll make to people who come into his counseling office and then want to argue about the things that he's prescribing and talking to them about and he'll look at them and he'll say let's just stop for a moment and remember that your best thinking got you here <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I think that that's kind of what Jesus is doing there I think he's kind of saying like, okay, Peter, let's just, let's just evaluate where has your conduct brought you? And, and
1: to quote that great theologian, Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? Right. So I'm, I'm actually interested in this because it's, it, we, we do a lot of counseling in our offices as well at, at our church. And it is difficult to convince people of that point that actually your actions brought you here. And they in some ways want to, I don't, know, I don't know, maintain the vestige that they are with it. Yes. And they don't want to actually own the fact that, no, actually, I'm not with it. It's, the, it's my lack of with itness that brought me to this particular point. They yes. don't want to own it. A- and we resist at every point Jesus trying to bring us to that kind of place. And yet it's only through that place that he can actually yes. be for us what we need him to be, and as you said this morning, send us out into mission. I think that's interesting because we're fighting against, then, the very thing that we need desperately more than anything else in our lives, which is the chastisement of Jesus. Mm -hmm. We don't want it, we don't want him to sift us, and yet it's the sifting that brings about the very person that we need to be. That's right. And that's something I see in the lives of so many people and uh, at times I, I see it myself and I desperately want God to just, I, I want to have my hands open to the Lord and have him do with me what it is that he will. Instead of finding me with my hands closed saying no,
3: no. Yeah. I, I think for me in my journey in pastoral ministry, it's been, this has been a significant shift for me. And I, I tend to spend much less time trying to convince someone of, of how wrong they are and instead, if they don't come to the realization that they're in dire need of help, I, I don't actually have any tool in my tool bag to help them.
1: Yeah, and you know that when you're sitting across from people, I, I, I do, you can see it written on their faces, yeah. people who have been dear friends even and the hardness of heart is just written all over <coughs> their face and I had a meeting actually a while ago with a guy it, it, about five minutes into it I, I knew that this was just going to go nowhere, yep. and so I started talking about other things. And he said, "Why are we talking about other things?" And I told him, "You and I both know that this isn't going to go anywhere. Uh, we've been five minutes, and I feel bad leaving you now. So why don't we why don't we commit to being here for fifteen minutes and we'll call it call it a day?" Yep. Yeah, our identity focused
2: on Christ, but not simply as a, uh, a tag or an add on, but because we've died. And I thought you brought that out really well um, as he. Uh, points to Peter's future death. Um, but in the process of that, he's saying, follow me. And as you follow me, you need to die to your old self and, and realize the life that I'm giving you here in the moment and every moment along the way, even to your physical death.
3: So let me ask you guys a question. In, in the text that I shared, he talks about, he asks Peter, uh, Simon, do you love me more than these? So in in, in your guys' lives, as you've walked both whether it was before Christ or even in walking with Christ. What have been the these
4: for you guys? It, it, well, and you brought this up. It, for me, it's always been identity issues. What do I want to try to find my identity in? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's anything other than Jesus that I try to, to find my identity in. And so, you know, and you brought this issue up, and I think it's an incredibly important issue, that if, if we don't get the vertical right. Our relationship with God, right. We're, we're lost. We're, we're not going anywhere. In fact, it reminds me of um, when I came to Canada, I took an outdoor uh, course. And the first course I took was on navigation, map and compass. And one of the first questions that was asked is, what's the most important thing about a map and compass when you're out trying to navigate? And, and I thought it was, well, it's where you want to go. That you have one. Yeah, yeah. you have it. And, and it's where you want to go. And in fact, the, the teacher was saying, no, in fact, it's, it's where you are. A map and a compass are absolutely useless unless you know exactly where you are on that map. You can't go anywhere. Yeah. If somebody dropped you in the forest with a map and a compass, you're dead. Like, you're, you're not going to be able to navigate anywhere. Not with me, that. Andy. <laughs> Especially Jeff. Will the, will the map
2: burn as well as Brian's book?
4: <laughs> Probably not. It actually burned quite well. So but back to the thing that, that for me has been the constant challenge for me is, is often finding myself lost and realizing that I've been trying to find my identity in something other than Jesus and coming back to that foundation and, and re-navigating
1: again and that, and that I get that right so, so for me it's constantly changing so I'll tell you uh, one that immediately as Andy said there's several things you're asking me or us what are the chief idols that compete for the attention the love of God in our lives and my my answer is the praise of people has always been the praise of people I I have dark moments in at, late at night where I wonder if everything I've ever done in my entire life has only been so that people would give me accolades and that if I didn't have them if I didn't have somebody saying to me you do well at this or you're good at that or hooray for you would I would I keep doing it or would I be happy with just Jesus? Wow. Mm-hmm. And I, I have uh, quite honestly, I, I think that my role in, in my church is God's chastening work on me in this regard, because I get a lot of negative comments about a lot of things, way more negative, mm-hmm. at least that I listen to than the positive. And I have had to grow in saying that I'm going to say it and I'm going to do it, even if everyone around me thinks that I'm an idiot it and they will Mm -hmm. even if the people standing in the line ahead of my wife at Costco the women who are there are talking about me her husband and how much of a doofus I am I'm still gonna say it I'm still gonna do it and that to me has been a very difficult moment it's not been a momentary thing like you know on the beach Mm -hmm. with Jesus but it's been a lot of beaches and lots of moments, and I, I, I roll back into it at times and want complain to God, why, why can't this be easier, why can't this be easier? But, you know, it's not easy to have Jesus rub your nose in it. Yeah. Right? Totally. Uh, for, oh, go
3: ahead. No, I see, I would relate to that in that I, I, I've often wondered why, and I don't know people listening how familiar they are with utah but why god would call me to utah and it's because for me uh it's more a sense of personal accomplishment and so god took me to a place that is inordinately hard and challenging in the shadow of this monstrous latter-day saint religious system and where it feels sometimes like it takes so much intensity to move the meter an inch And there are times that I've set back, and I remember um, after I'd moved there, we did a a door hanger thing where we passed out 25,000 door hangers on 25,000 doors. And in Utah, there's about a little over four people a household, so we were inviting 100,000 people to our first event. And so the, in church growth circles, they tell you, you know, you can expect maybe something like a 1% return or something like that. A thousand, thousand people. <laughs> so I said, well, this Utah. It's hard. Let's cut it in a quarter percent. We'll say 250 people. So we rented these movie theaters. We got all geared up. And, and from 100,000 people invited, we had a good 35 people show up. And I literally remember walking on the foyer and I thought, dear God, I've, I have literally ruined myself. Um and, and, lay, and just, just to lay into that and labor through that. But I, what I began to realize is that Utah was for
2: me more than I was for Utah. Right. But Dave Heidelberg had a great comment at a panel just earlier tonight um, just talking about culture and engaging with people. And he talked about some of his basketball injuries. And so I think that as he talked about that and as he brought that up, as God using even the surprising things, even the pain of life, to get our attention with certain things about life, um, those have been times in my life where um, where God gets your attention. I think Lewis, you know, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but but shouts to us uh, in our pains. And that's Him shouting to us uh, of who He is, what we think we are in light of that, and how we need to rearrange what we think about ourselves in light of who He is.
0: Yeah, I've, I've just to share. Mine too. I, the, this past year has been one of having to continually give over control over the health of loved ones. And so my own desire for control over every part of my life has been a huge journey. And so this last year of having spending time in children's hospitals and all that kind of stuff, realizing, oh my goodness, I can't, I can't control anything. I can't control the outcome of what happens with my son here. And so I, I can remember moments walking through the halls of Children's Hospital, 2, 3 in the morning, thinking, am I still going to want to follow Jesus depending on how this ends up? Mm. Because this, if this ends not the way I want to, is this still, where's my faith going to be at? And so I, I think that, that, was, that was one of those beachside moments where it, it was a, a distinct memory in a hallway. But now continuing on with continuing to walk that journey with him, that question will still come up, depending on how this goes, and what's the response going to be? So,
1: so my th- my thing with this, though, is that the- these are all evidences of God's grace. Mm. That that it, I know that we read all these challenges and the sifting as being a, a evidence. We read it as evidence that God something's wrong. God, why aren't you loving me? Why aren't you caring for me? Why aren't you taking? Don't why aren't you give me what I what I want? And it it actually, as Brian was saying, is it's God pursuing you and not letting you settle for the junk hmm. because your heart was made for Him, hmm. and it, it'll it alone will rest in Him. So so I'm resting Him alone. I my so I know that we we read all this stuff as being the negative bits, and yet if you take the viewpoint. That god has on your life that mm. only he can satisfy and especially eternally mm-hmm. then all of these things are evidences of his grace and I'm, so i'm thankful that brian's in utah i've been mm. for several reasons
4: mm.
1: but especially for brian mm. i'm also thankful that the lord has chastens me with bad emails although that's mm. not an invitation <laughs> to anyone. <anywhere. laughs> but i'm 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 glad he does it, even though I complain and will continue to complain to him about it. Right. Oh. What
0: other things from the Men's Street so far that we've we've gone over has kind of stuck out to you guys as highlights?
4: Well, one of the things that we talked about um, on the Friday night was we we talked about uh, getting into the Word, um, okay. developing a passion and a love for God's Word, and and reading it. And, uh, and just how important that is and in, in reading it appropriately. And in fact, it reminded me of a conversation that I had with a young adult uh, recently. They, they're in my community group, and this year the, our young adults have been reading through the book of Mark. And it, it's been such a, an incredible process, not just telling somebody how do you read the Bible, but actually sitting down and reading the Bible with them and, and explaining um, to them, you know, because th- th- interestingly enough, I think a lot of people, a lot, at least in my community group, really viewed the book of Mark like Mark was just thinking in his mind about the different episodes that took place and just kind of haphazardly threw them into mm-hmm. this book. And I think we often read it like that, just like, you know, that's bizarre or that came out of nowhere or what, what's he doing? And, and, and walking with him and seeing, look look at the case that Mark is making. Look at, at how he is specifically choosing certain episodes to show you. To, to bring you to this point that you are, are forced to make your own decision of who this Jesus is. And, he, and this young adult made the decision, made the statement where he said, you know, he said, Andy, he goes, I'm, I'm learning how to read the Bible for the first time. And, and so we were talking about how important that is as men, particularly as we lead our family, that not only that, that we're reading our Bibles, but we know how to read our Bibles, and, and that we're teaching our children how to read their Bibles. Um, you know, each night I, I sit down with my boys. You know, there's some nights that they stayed up too late and we, they go right to bed. But for the most part, we seek to read the Bible with them in a kid's version that they can understand and, and talk through the Bible. And, and it really hit me when that young adult said that, that, that I, I began to realize how important that is. But I just wanted to then bring up this other point that, um, that Brian brought up. And that was that our kids come home with questions. And you, you talked about how one of your daughters came home with a question about the Trinity, and did it arise in the fourth century? Was it you know was it made up? My son, he's seven years old, he's constantly coming home with questions, and you know what? I might be the director of Apologics Canada, but I don't have all the answers. No he way. Offers, I know, you right?
1: are the director. Well, when it's outside the five biggest questions, <laughs> you're
0: really not
4: really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's your wheelhouse. Did I? I wrote a book, by the way, called yeah. Thinking. You. Um, yeah. you also published it. <laughs> no, Apologics Canada published it. Of which you're the head.
1: head
4: <laughs> My point being, I think there's. A, I, I've actually heard pastors say this to me You know, Andy, am I supposed to be an expert in everything? Do I got to be an expert in, you know, church history, in philosophy, in theology, in science? You know, how would you respond to that, Brian?
3: Well, I'm going to respond a little bit of a different way because, and take it out of the pastoral realm, because you started talking about, like, men leading families in yep. this. And as as we talk about this, I, I can hear a bunch of guys thinking, like, so do I, do I need to take a course in hermeneutics before I can lead my family in worship or something like that? And and it's great to take a course in hermeneutics. It's a good thing. But it's, it's not rocket science. And so, like, I, I would tell any man listening to this open your Bible to a proverb. Proverbs are amazing at this. Open your Bible to a proverb, read it, and just say, So, what do you guys think about it? You can't imagine the conversation that'll emerge in the family from a proverb. It's just, and, and you're down the road. You're down the road teaching the Bible from wisdom literature, it's it's literally like a treasure trove of family worship and so forth. So what what I think, now when you walk into the the land of a church leader, well the church leader now has a different kind of responsibility.
4: So you make a distinction then between?
3: Yeah, I would make a distinction in this way. I I would say number one, should everyone, Charles Ryrie starts off his basic theology and has one of the best statements ever in a theology book. And he he just talks about how every person's a theologian. He's, and he uses the word, you're, you're either good or you're sloppy. Yeah. But everyone's a theologian. So let, let's just say this, every person leading their family needs to be a, a good, healthy theologian and not sloppy. Okay? Having said that, there's going to be layers of depth to the discussion and layers of breadth to the operations and issues that are discussed and so forth. As you move in, out in spheres of responsibility, you also need to move deeper and you need to move broader
2: if you're going to do that. Yeah, and I think part of Andy's question was does a, a man have to know the answer to every question before he can talk to any question? No. When I have high school students that I had taught a college class this semester, parents, people come up to me and they'll say, I have a question and I sometimes will say, well, I, I can answer any question in at least three words. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But even if I don't know the immediate um, factual response, pastoral wisdom for that moment, I can walk with you to figure out what the answer is. you know maybe we need to do a little more research or background of what the question where the question came from where the other issues connected the question, so you don 't to have to have a catalog of every answer in your head to reference, but you need to be able to reference things with people and walk with them as you point them to Christ while you 're
1: learning along the way yeah. So, so while I agree completely, and I do, with everything that you've said, let me emphasize that. I also think, well, let me put it this way. My, my, my son is uh, a good pitcher, baseball. And uh, I, I don't know how to pitch. I have no idea how to pitch. But he's a good pitcher, and I want him to do better in pitching. Um, so there are certain actions I'm going to take to try to help my kid pitch better. Now That means I'm going to go and try to maybe get him some training with guys who do know. It it also means that I'm gonna buy a book called The Art of Pitching on my Kindle, and I'm gonna start reading it. And I did read it, and I have read it. And so I'm investing in trying to get my son where I want him to go, where he wants to go, where we both agree is a good place to go. I'm willing to do that because for some reason I think it matters. I don't know, I love him. I want him to experience joy, he loves to do the thing. I don't see how this is different. Because if I, if I want my son to love Jesus, then then I, it seems to me that I'm gonna want to figure out what that means. And then I'm gonna want to be able to tell him that and train him that way and get him around people who know that kind of thing. And so as much as I wanna say yes, well you don't need to know all the answers, of the absolutely. That's, that's completely true. But a father who loves his son, a father who loves his daughter, a father who wants to lead his family into godliness is going to figure out the book. And they're going to read The Real Art of Pitch. They're going to read and figure out how to study and, and take this seriously. And, and I, I, I'm, I don't want to burden men with more because we're so busy and we all feel tired. But at the same time, is there anything that you do in your life that has this kind of payoff is there anything that's worth this i I think love is measured
3: by investment and so i think what you're Mm -hmm. talking about is huge with that i had a recently i had a family come to me um who their adolescent son was struggling with same-sex attraction and it surfaced in sort of a back-channel way to them but they, they came to me asking what what do we do and uh, the, the child was highly invested in uh, theater and musical theater. Well, this is about as far away from the dad's uh, interest as possible. But one of my points was to look at the dad and say, the first thing I'd do is I'd figure out how to love musical theater. Mm. I'd work at it. I'd do it overtime. I'd plunge into it. I'd be at it. I'd start figuring it out. Because... You know, uh, Steve Farrar in Book Point Men has this great illustration that he uses where he talks about how he went out and he bowled um, 15 straight 300 games. And then he says, But I forgot to tell you, I, I did them all from 15 feet away from the pins. And then he has this poignant statement. He says, um, Distance creates error, and all the great dads spend their life fighting it. That's so Mm -hmm. powerful. So I think all the great pastors spend their time fighting. All the great dads do. But it's whether it's educational investment, whether it's hermeneutical investment, whether it's baseball investment, whether it's musical theater
0: investment, invest. That's the measure of your love. Any other final highlights we want to go over before we wrap up this episode of the podcast?
1: I just thought it was really cool that Andy and Kyle get confused for each other. Even here. <laughs> it's a true story, actually. When I
4: started at well, Northview... I feel few, quite good about it, though, actually. <laughs> when I started <laughs> at Northview,
3: Kyle, You feel good because you look like Andy? <laughs> no, you, well, you, you he, should he,
1: not feel... Look at feel, his biceps! Well, Andy doesn't look like... They, they are, they are Andy busted. doesn't look like Kyle's wife's father. <laughs> Kyle apparently makes that way.
4: <laughs> so when I started at Northview... Kyle would come up to me and say, Andy, at at Sunday, I was, somebody confused me for you. They came up to me and and referred to me as Andy. And uh, I wasn't sure, I'm like, oh, okay. And he's been been telling me this for a while now, and and I started to not believe him. I'm thinking, is he just making this up? (laughs) But then, last Sunday, somebody came up to me and referred to me as Kyle Maker, to which I said, it's Dr. Maker. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm like, it's true. I don't have a soul patch I don't
1: have glasses but if you're bald apparently okay we all but look can old. I ask the two of you I was noticing that this is a great day to be a bald man isn't it because I'm even thinking back to the 1990s you should try Thomas it Costanza was putting it down and stuff but now these people shave their heads sometimes just, just for fun I think Michael Stipe and R.E.M. just kind of made it happen I just, it, it, it's, it's an okay day to be a bald yeah. man. Are you Andy, jealous you of my baldness? No, okay. no, no. But I
3: did want, I think a good note maybe if you're going to close <laughs> it on is I did want to ask, again, just so we clarify in case anybody wanted to purchase it, who was it that published your book? <laughs> I'm sorry. What was
4: the subtitle of your book? Again? Who published your book? Why? T-
3: you tell I me I some- apologize, It's a great
2: organization. Are you tell <laughs> me that it's one you lead. <laughs> what was? The, who published your? Who published your book? Hey, it's okay, you?
1: Andy. With the stock, <laughs> <laughs> stock publisher. Where, where exactly <laughs> is that located? All right. Gina so it's <laughs> been a good podcast. That's right. We're gonna wrap
0: it up. If you, This has been a little bit of a different Extra podcast than normal, so we haven't really gone through questions that people have sent in. But, as always, if you want to hear some of your questions addressed on the Extra podcast, email them to extra at northu.org. We'll be happy to
1: go through them then. Thanks for listening. We want to thank everyone for listening. Let's give them a big yeah. Thanks, guys. Hey, let's go burn another one of Brian's books.
4: That's right. Shall we? There's plenty. (laughs) (laughs)
1: thanks guys see you very
0: much